For the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this series called Unhooked. And what we've been doing is we, we've lifted up Satan's tackle box, the lid of his tackle box, and we've been looking at the lures that he uses to get us to fall into sin, that he uses to tempt us, to hook us, and get us to sin. And we've seen uh, four different lures so far. We've seen uh, the lure of wanting more. We've seen the lure of self-reliance. self reliance. We've seen the lure of fear. And we've seen the lure of peer pressure. Uh, and there are plenty more that we could look at in Scripture. But today we're going to take a little different aspect to this whole thing. And what we're looking at today is how there are no new lures. It's not because Satan's not creative. Uh, it's not because Satan can't come up with anything else. The problem isn't with Satan uh, at all. The problem is with you and me. The problem's with people. And that's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 today. If you're new to the Bible or uh, you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible's one book made up of 66. Now, 39 are what's considered the Old Testament. And all those books are written before Jesus came into the world. The 27 in the New Testament are all from right before Jesus' birth uh, to about 90 A.D. And the majority of the New Testament books were originally letters written from uh, people to a Christian congregation. And that's what 1 Corinthians is. It's the first letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth around 50 A.D., Paul wrote this letter uh, to give them encouragement, but also to uh, fix a lot of the problems that were in the church. Uh, it wasn't just how they were operating. It was big-time sins. Uh, the the con congregation in Corinth, they were extremely blessed. Uh, blessed physically. They had wealth. Uh, but also extremely blessed spiritually. Uh, they had all kinds of spiritual gifts in that congregation, but with all these blessings came division, came big-time sins, came abuses with the Lord's Supper, came a false view of the resurrection. And, and so Paul writes this letter to correct all of this. And in chapter 10, he really gets at the heart of the Corinthian problem as to why they continue to fall into sins, at why they continue to be caught on Satan's lures. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to be beginning with verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 13. Uh, we, we start with the first four verses here. Paul says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Paul says, Corinthians, let's have a history lesson here. Let's go back 1,500 years before the Corinthian time. 1,500 B.C. And he says to the Corinthians, let's look at our ancestors, the, the Israelites from 1,500 B.C. Let's look at how blessed they were. You want to talk about experiencing grace? You want to talk about experiencing mercy, experiencing God's love? Look at the Israelites. Uh, no other nation passed through the sea like they did. No other nation walked through uh, the Red Sea, or any sea for that matter, with two walls of water on either side and dry ground beneath them. 
That's what the Israelites experienced. Why? Because God blessed them in that way. No other nation was led through the wilderness for 40 years and, and were led by a cloud during the day. The Israelites were. God's presence among them. No other nation experienced the, the spiritual food from heaven, which for 40 years, just about every day, God rained down manna from the heavens to feed his people. No other nation experienced the spiritual drink that they did. That was uh, uh, multiple times as they're walking through the wilderness, God brought water from a rock so that they could drink. No other nation experienced this. And no other nation had the rock, Christ, walking with them. Yes, Jesus was born around zero, but 1500 B.C., Jesus was still around. He just wasn't born. We call that the pre-incarnate Christ, before he took on flesh. Jesus has always been around. He's eternal. And he accompanied his people through the wilderness. Each Israelite experienced all of this. They experienced the grace, the mercy. You talk about being blessed, that's the Israelites. And yet, here's what Paul says about them. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things ha occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul says, despite all these blessings, God was not pleased with them. The people thought God was pleased with them. The people thought, we are God's chosen people. We are God's. Look at how he's blessing us. Look at what we're experiencing. And yet God wasn't pleased with them. Why? Because they refused to turn from their sinful ways. Because they continued to get hooked on Satan's lures and they didn't turn. They were prideful. And Paul then lists several sins that the Israelites fell into. They became idolaters. They built an idol and worshipped it. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 32. There we see God's people who have experienced God's grace and mercy, who, who knew the true God, they build an idol and bow down and worship it. Paul says they committed sexual immorality. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 25. Uh, God's people going to other nations and sleeping around. Uh, Paul says they tested Christ. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 21. How did they test Christ? They weren't content and they longed for something better. You would think they longed for the promised land where God was leading them, the land of Canaan. But instead, do you know what they longed for? To be back in Egypt. To be back in slavery. Because at least there they had 
good food, is what they said. And then they grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 14 and Numbers chapter 16. Paul says, Corinthians, look, despite them being extremely blessed, look at how they sinned and look at the punishment. They were scattered over the wilderness. Why? Because in their pride, they didn't think that anything was really going to happen to them. They thought they were standing firm, so let's go out and sin. Why does Paul want the Corinthians to know this? Because the Corinthians were the exact same way. They looked around and they said, Paul, we are standing firm. Don't worry about us. Look, look at how God has blessed us. Look at all the uh, riches we have. We're fine. God must really like us because we're pretty wealthy. Not only that, but Paul, look at the knowledge we have. We're, we're wise. We, we have understanding. We've evolved since 1500 B.C., Paul. We know more about the human body. We know more about the human race. We know Jesus. We know that he's a culmination of everything. And so we know that all those Old Testament rules and ceremonial laws, they don't apply to us. We have knowledge that they didn't. And because Jesus fulfilled all that, we have Christian freedom. We can go around and we can eat, we can drink. There's no limits as to what we can do and what we can't do. Paul, we're fine. We're standing firm. And that's exactly why Paul wanted them to know this lesson. What Paul is trying to get across to them is what he's trying to get across to us today. And that's your first point I want you to know. Times change, people don't. Times change, people don't. Paul says, Corinthians, I want you to learn these, this lesson. I, this is a warning for us. All this has been written down as a warning for you, Corinthians. Why? Because you think you are standing firm, but you struggle with the exact same thing. Here's what the Corinthians were doing. They were going to, to church to worship the true God. They were going to the temple. And then they said, well, we have Christian freedom. Jesus has fulfilled all the Old Testament. We know he's forgiven us. Uh, so you know what looks pretty fun? Going over to that worship service over there where they're worshiping a Greek God. Uh, I see them eating. I see them drinking. Uh, I see them getting up and indulging in revelry. Uh, I'm going to go partake in that. And I'm free to do so because Jesus won me forgiveness. Paul says you're committing idolatry. You're committing idolatry. Sexual morality was rampant. In the Corinthian congregation. In fact, if you read through the book of Corinthians, you get to a point where uh, Paul takes on one of their philosophies, which was just like stomach needs food, the body needs to be pleased. And so this is just natural. The body has cravings too. Go for it. They tested Christ, just like the Israelites did. How? Because following Christ meant they had to give up their old ways of living. And as they started doing that, they started to long for the fun of the old days. When they had fun with their friends. When they could eat, drink, and be merry. Get drunk, and do all kinds of things. And then they grumbled. 
They grumbled against Paul. They grumbled against another pastor that they had, Apollos. Uh, they, they grumbled against leaders. They were falling into all of the same exact sins. Why? Because of pride. Because they thought they were better than their ancestors. They thought they were better and standing more firmly than the rest. And yet Paul says, no, no, no. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall because times change, people don't. And that's important for you and me to know as we're living in the 21st century. Times change, people don't. Because what mindset do we often fall into? That same exact one, right? Well, we've, we've evolved since 2000, from 2000 years ago. We know more scientifically today than they did. They were basically cave people. We know more. We've evolved. We, we know more. We understand more. We're morally better now. We get it. We have that same sinful pride in our hearts that were in the Corinthians' hearts, that were in the Israelites' hearts. And then the same sinful pride that says, well, even if we sin, it's no big deal because Jesus forgives us. God forgives us. Let's just keep living. Nothing's really going to happen. That was the Corinthian mindset. That was the Israelites' mindset. Times change, people don't. We still have that same sinful pride in our hearts. The story of James Tillis, former heavyweight boxer. Uh, he first came to Chicago. He tells, us, he tells a story of when he first came to Chicago in the early 1980s. And at, he said he got off the bus with his two suitcases and he's walking through downtown Chicago. And he, he walked up to what was then known as a Sears Tower and he, he stood at the base of the building and he set his suitcases down and he looked up to the top of the Sears Tower and he said out loud, I'm going to conquer this city. And as he looked back down, his suitcases were gone. That's what each generation of people do. That's their mindset. I'm not going to fall into the same sins the previous generation. We're better. We're going to conquer. We're going to stand firm. We're different. We're better than them. We're going to conquer it all. And as we're boasting, as our hearts are filled with that sinful pride, Satan comes in and steals out eternal life from us as he gets us hooked on temptation. You see, the reason Satan doesn't have to change any of his lures is because they work. And why do they work? Because times change, people don't. We still have that same sinful pride in our hearts that say we're different, we're better, we're going to conquer, we can stand firm. And even if we don't, nothing's going to happen. And Paul says, no, no, no. Look at it, the Israelites. They had that same mindset. And the destroying angel came, snakes came, and they were scattered over the wilderness. And the majority of them missed out on the promised land because of their pride. Because in their pride, Satan's lures worked. 
Times change, people don't. And now you're beginning to see our problem. How do we get rid of pride? Because it's all in our hearts, right? See, the majority of us don't struggle with a low self-esteem. The majority of us struggle with, with just the opposite. Too high of self-esteem. In our pride, we think we're better than, than previous generations. We're better than those people out there. And we're standing firm. And when Satan has us in that position, we are so susceptible to his lures, and it gets us to fall. And Paul says this is a big deal. And so where's our hope? Where's our hope? If, if this is who we are, if this is in us, the sinful pride, where do we turn? Paul ends with a great verse. Verse 13 here in, in chapter 10. He ends with a great promise. Here's what he says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Times change, but God remains faithful. Yes, times change, but people don't. We, we still have that same pride in our hearts that the Corinthians did, that the Israelites did. People don't change, but neither does God. As times change, God remains faithful. And how do we see it? Paul says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God doesn't tempt us, but he allows temptations to come into our life. But he doesn't let us get tempted beyond what we can bear. He is faithful. And so he says, temptation, you can come this far, but no further. Because Stephen Apt can't handle it. There are times in our lives when we feel like temptation is too hard, that we have to give in because it's just too strong. That's a lie, because God doesn't let it get that far. God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. He's been faithful for uh, thousands and thousands of years to millions and millions and millions of people. He hasn't let them be tempted beyond what they can bear, and you aren't an exception. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear because he is faithful. He is faithful, and when you are tempted... He will provide you with a way out, Paul says, so that you can endure it. For millions and millions of people, God can, has and he continues to provide a way out of temptation. Whether it's an, an open door, uh, a text or a call, a Bible verse that comes to mind. Maybe it's your conscience that just peeks up and says, uh, you shouldn't be doing this. God provides us with a way out because he is faithful. And you are no exception. As you face temptation, as you face the lures that Satan throws in, God is faithfully there, providing us with a way out, providing us uh, with ways to avoid the temptation. But what about the times when our sinful pride gets the best of us? What about the times when we do fall? To be sure, we deserve what happened to the Israelites. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We've earned it. And yet God is faithful. 
And instead, he promised to send his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus came and and he, he emptied himself of all of his pride. The one who was the best of the best. The one who had everything. God himself emptied himself of everything. And he came and he suffered. For you and for me. He took our punishment. God unhooked us. And he hooked his one and only son on Satan's hook. And let Satan reel him in. And the best of the best, Jesus, who was perfect, died one of the worst of the worst deaths as he was crucified. And yet through his death, God promises you that your sins are forgiven. Remember he says, if anyone confesses their sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Why? Because of Jesus. See, God is faithful. He not only provides us with the way out of temptation, but He provides us with the way out of the punishment that comes from when we fall. And that way out is His only Son, Jesus. He invites us to turn to Him, invites us to confess our sins, invites us to turn to Him for forgiveness and for life. And that's exactly what he gives you because of Jesus. But what do we do about this pride? What do we do to to avoid the lures? Because the problem isn't with Satan being creative. Again, the problem's with us. The, The pride in our hearts that say, we're better, we're standing more firm, we're okay. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, Confess your pride. As you see other people sin, as you read the Bible and you see and read what they fell into, open up to God and say, God, I know I'm susceptible to this sin. I know that this sin could easily overtake me and I'm no better than them. Guard my heart. Number two, when we do fall, trust God's faithfulness. Trust in Him for forgiveness through Jesus. Look to Him for your way out of temptation. Look to Him to build you up, to strengthen you. Look to Him and know that He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Trust in God. And then number three, ask Him for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to send His Holy Spirit into your heart to strengthen your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Ask Him to send the Holy Spirit to guide your life, to lead you, and and to lead you away from temptation and into the path of righteousness. Lead Him. Ask for the Holy Spirit so that you can stand firm when the day of temptation comes. God be with you this week as He strengthens you in Jesus, as He gives you that firm foundation to stand on, not your own pride, but on Jesus. God be with you as He leads you and guides you away from temptation, as He opens your eyes to see the ways out of temptation, and then He shows you your Savior Jesus, who loves you, 
who forgives you, who strengthens you, so that you can turn from sin to life as you follow Him. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that even though times change and that we don't change, that you also don't change. Uh, we thank you that uh, you are faithful through all changes of this world, through all time, and you continue to be faithful to us just like you were to the Corinthians, just like you were to the Israelites. We thank you for your faithfulness that continues to provide us a way out, that uh, gives us the strength to endure, and your faithfulness that promises to forgive us our sins, all for the sake of Jesus, who took our place and was crucified for us. We thank you that he rose from the dead, conquering uh, the grave. And now as we live for you this week, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit. Uh, help it, send him to help us, guide us, lead us, and to strengthen our faith in Jesus as our Savior. May we always be built up in the fact that he loved us enough to live for us and die for us. We thank you that we are forgiven and dearly loved children of yours. We ask you to continue to be with us. Uh, keep us safe from uh, the coronavirus. We ask you to be with everyone who is sick. Continue to be with them. Give them strength. Give them healing. Uh, be with our governing officials. Uh, watch over them. Lead them. Guide them that they are making the best decisions. Let all this pass uh, sooner rather than later. Let there be a cure. Uh, so that we can all get back together again and that uh, more lives may be saved. Most importantly, we ask that through all of this, use this as an opportunity for people to reach out to you, uh, to turn to you, to confess their sins to you, so that you can announce to them that their sins are forgiven because of Jesus. What a wonderful gift that is that we have. Help us to spread that message to all people right now, that message of hope, that message of peace the message of comfort. We ask all this in Jesus' name. It's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In Numbers chapter 6, uh, God instructed Aaron, the high priest, that as the people were leaving the temple, he was to raise his hand and bless the people with the Lord's name. So they knew that the Lord was going out with them. We're going to end our service the same way today, so you know that the Lord is going with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.